Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom and welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. Today we will be learning Yoma 65. Our Daf continues a discussion from the previous page about the sacrifice that was lost but later found. Is this newly found sacrifice to be slaughtered, or does its replacement get slaughtered, and what should happen to the animal that isn't sacrificed? In other words, once an animal becomes part of the sacrificial system, even though it hasn't been sacrificed and will not be sacrificed, what should be done with it? Let's go back to our Mishnah for a moment. In the Mishnah it says, And if the one, that is the animal, which was for Azazel, has died, meaning the scapegoat, this one upon which the lot for Azazel has come up will stand in its place. Meaning that the replacement for the animal for that has died will be used in its place. And the second one is to be put out to pasture until it is blemished, and then it is sold, and the money received for it is to fall to a free will offering, a korban dava. For a sin offering of the community is not left to die. Yesterday's daf ended by focusing on the statement that a sin offering of the community is not left to die. According to this principle, an animal that was meant to be sacrificed on Yom Kippur for the community should never be left to die. This seems to sit well with the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan that was already discussed, that the replacement sacrifice, that now is no longer needed, should be left to roam around until it develops a blemish, and its money then used for a different sacrifice. Our daf begins by bringing a source that claims that everyone would agree that if a person had set aside an animal to be offered as a sin offering, an offering of the individual and not of the community, and this animal was lost but later found, but the replacement animal was already sacrificed, then the original animal should be left to die, since it was a sacrifice of the individual and not of the community. After some discussion, the Gemara returns to the opinion brought in the name of Rabbi Yossi that the animal that was first designated for a sacrifice should be offered. The distinction between a sacrifice brought on behalf of an individual versus a sacrifice being brought on behalf of the community is interesting. Why should there be any difference between the two cases? Why in one case is the potential substitute sacrifice killed, while in the other case it is left to graze until it develops a blemish? The exegetical or the textual answer is that this is a ruling that goes back to Moses at Mount Sinai, Halachala Moshe Misinai. Is it possible to try and find the philosophical explanation for this distinction? It is not unheard of in the Talmud to distinguish between the needs or acts of the individual versus the need or acts of the community. In liturgy, a distinction is drawn between supplications on behalf of an individual versus supplications on behalf of the community, with greater flexibility concerning additions to the Amidah given to supplications on behalf of the community. Another area is the tension between individual mourning versus communal joy and even individual joy versus communal joy. 
During the intermediate days of a festival, Chol HaMoed, there are traditionally no weddings because of the desire to refrain from mixing an individual and a communal joy. Ein ma'arvim simcha besimcha. Additionally, the onset of a festival, a communal celebration of joy, brings an end to certain periods of mourning that are being observed by the individual. In our case, the distinction between the individual and the community is clearly taught and explicit, even if we don't totally understand its reasons. The Gemara then addresses the final clause of the Mishnah. And further did Rabbi Yehuda say, If its blood is poured out, let the one who is to be sent forth as a scapegoat be left to die. If the one which is to be sent forth died, let its, the other's, blood be poured out. This clause addresses the two goats that were sacrificed on Yom Kippur, one for God and the other to be sent to Azazel, the scapegoat. The rabbis understood there to be a very rigid structure as to how these animals were to be sacrificed. And this Mishnah addresses the question of what happens when this order and structure is upended and reversed. If the structure gets upended, in which situations was there a requirement to bring two new goats and start all over again? According to the first opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, if its blood is poured out, let the one who is to be sent forth as a scapegoat be left to die. One of the requirements of the goat that was sacrificed to God was that its blood was to be sprinkled on the altar. But what happened if its blood was poured out and not sprinkled? This apparently invalidated the entire process, and because of this invalidation, the other animal that was designated to be the scapegoat had to be left to die. The Gemara explains this and says that since its mitzvah was not fulfilled properly and the goats were paired together, the other goat couldn't be used for its designated function, meaning that at the moment when one of the goats is disqualified or something improper is done to it, the other goat that it was paired with was also affected and disqualified. But what about the second opinion of Rabbi Huda? If the one which is to be sent forth died, let its, meaning the other goat's blood, be poured out. The pouring out of the second goat's blood would invalidate it as a sacrifice, as we just learned, and the Gemara asked why this was to be done. Isn't the scapegoat supposed to wander and die? This is its mitzvah. It is supposed to die. The answer given in the name of the school of Rabbi Yanai is that, from Leviticus 16.10, where it is written, The goat shall be brought alive before God to make atonement, we learn that the scapegoat should only die after the other goat's blood is sprinkled on the altar. If it dies any time before that, it isn't valid. The Gemara addresses a little bit more the situations in which an animal that for some reason became invalid for a sacrifice was left to die. The possibility was raised that in some situations, why can't a sacrifice that maybe for this Yom Kippur can't be offered can be brought next year? Why do we have to kill the animal? Two answers are given. The first is based upon a statement of the Amora Shmuel who said that it is a mitzvah to offer the community sacrifices which are due in Nisan from the new truma, the new tithe. If he had offered them from the old, he has fulfilled his duty, but has missed doing a mitzvah. According to Shmuel, the sacrifice should be from the recent tithe and not from last year's stock. While a sacrifice from last year would still be accepted, it wouldn't be a mitzvah. It wouldn't be as good as it could be. 
A second opinion is brought in the name of the Amora Rabbi Zera. According to Rabbi Zera, the reason why they cannot be offered in the following year is because the lot of one year cannot determine for the following year. This specific animal was picked for this specific function based upon the casting of lots, and they are only valid for this year, and the lots cannot be carried over to the next year. Thank you for listening to the Daily Daf Differently, and I hope that you will tune in for tomorrow's Daf. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.